Life Audio. Welcome to Truth Tribe with Doug Grothuis, where we seek the truth about the things that matter most through reason and evidence. Today is a Christmas program, and I'd like to read a column that ran in the Denver Gazette about a year ago, which they entitled, What Christmas Means. The title that I had proposed was, What Christmas Means to Me. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. The beloved Christian writer and defender of Christianity, C.S. Lewis, wrote an essay called What Christmas Means to Me in 1957, My Birth Year. I am stealing his title, but cannot claim his literary standing. Nor is my essay much like his. Nevertheless, the musings of another old Christian philosopher about a Christian holiday we cannot avoid might prove worthwhile. They can even help civilize our public discourse, because religious positions can be rationally defended and discussed. It is part of human nature to observe festivals and holidays. In that, we are unique among the living. We were born to work, rest, and celebrate. Some of these events are foist upon us, and some we choose for ourselves. Observant Jews celebrate the Sabbath, while others do not, and are not expected to. Christians attend services on Sundays, but that is their choice. But Christmas is a national holiday and we are caught up in it in some way for good or ill. Of course, Christmas traces back to Christ, although that might not always be obvious given the symbology and commercialism we face daily for weeks. The good and joy of Christmas to me, and for many, is its origin and purpose as a remembrance and celebration of the birth of a Jewish child in a backwoods part of ancient Israel. While creches are commonly seen at Christmas, they should not make us forget the obscurity and poverty of that original birth. The child would be known as Jesus, the Messiah, and would be worshipped as God incarnate and served by billions of people in the ensuing two millennia. His conception in a virgin's womb was supernatural, as predicted by the prophet Isaiah in chapter 7, verse 14, long ago before the event. Jesus received worship at his birth, and Jesus remains, whatever you think of him, the most influential person in history. How could that happen, given the humble origin? I've written three books about Jesus, 
and another is on the way. I have reflected on Jesus in relation to other religious figures, such as Buddha and Muhammad, considered his teachings as that of a bona fide philosopher, and explored the implications of his teachings for culture and politics. I cannot exhaust the meaning or significance of the man from Nazareth. I am a Jesus-haunted man, and gratefully so. I celebrate Christmas with an appreciation of who he was and what he did. I do so as someone who, as a philosopher, takes reason and evidence seriously in religious belief. Jesus is more than an image, a symbol, a teacher. In fact, his life has implications for every aspect of my life. We know about Jesus in history largely from the 27 books of the New Testament, four of which are Gospels that tell his story from different but convergent perspectives. Misconceptions to the contrary, these writings are reliable ancient history, having been accurately preserved over time and having been composed not longer after the events they describe, and by people in the know, such as Jesus' disciple John, who wrote the Gospel of John. After his auspicious birth, Jesus spent almost 30 years as a lowly carpenter before bursting on the scene as a prophet and religious reformer like no other in the history of Israel. He preached that the kingdom of God was at hand and that all must repent and turn toward the God he heralded. He repeatedly stunned his audience by saying they must turn the other cheek, go the second mile, love their enemies, and carefully monitor their inner lives for lust, anger, covetous worry, and vanity. He viewed himself as the hinge of history and the portal to eternity. Many of our common expressions are traced back to Jesus, such as practice what you preach and the idea of being a good Samaritan. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he claimed the authority to make the final evaluation of one's life for all eternity. Who did Jesus think he was? Jesus not only brought a world-changing message, he worked wonders by miraculously healing the sick, casting out demons, and even raising the dead. These are not legends or myths written hundreds of years after his life, but accounts that bear the marks of historicity, as many New Testament scholars have noted, including my distinguished colleague at Denver Seminary, Craig Plonther. If you try to extract the miracles from the accounts of Jesus' life, as Thomas Jefferson unwisely did in the Jefferson Bible, there is no Jesus left to see. He was no mere moralist, but a miracle worker, as well as a prophet, who brought God's truth to bear on life and confidently proclaimed what the future would hold in time and eternity. This is why I not only try to follow his teachings, but pray to him as one who hears my prayers and can work wonders still. He is also with me when he does not work wonders, but guides me through profound suffering, as my first wife and I experienced through her dementia and death in 2018. Although Christmas in the Advent season celebrate the utterly unique birth of Jesus, he was, more than any other historical figure, a man born to die, and knew it. He died young, executed by the Roman state, after only about three years of public ministry. Few have made 
much of a mark on the world by that age. But there was much about Jesus that fits no previous mold and shatters a million misconceptions about reality. While he packed much memorable teaching and living into his short ministry, he claimed it was his death that made all the difference in this world and in the next one as well. The Gospel of Luke reports that an angel told the pregnant Mary that Jesus would, quote, be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end, unquote. Yet how could he reign forever if he were to die? Stated in the same Gospel of Luke, Jesus said of himself, quote, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life, unquote. No Jew of that day expected the Messiah to die, let alone be raised on the third day before the resurrection of all people at the final judgment. Yet, the Christian religion is based on the belief that Jesus died by crucifixion, was buried, and left an empty tomb by rising from the dead before exhorting his followers to take his gospel message to the world through teaching. His kingdom will never end because he lives forever as its king. The gospel, or good news, is that anyone can receive forgiveness of sins and life everlasting by trusting in Christ's saving work on their behalf. That message has no parallel or peer in any other religion or worldview. By musing on what Christian means to me, I affirm that the Christ of Christmas has an objective meaning in objective facts since he appeared in time and space and since his deeds and significance were recorded rightly in the Bible. Some might take that stance to be narrow-minded or intolerant, but we should follow the evidence toward the truth, wherever it leads. As I have written and taught about Christianity in the world of ideas during the last 45 years, I have welcomed intellectual challenges to my beliefs. I have sought them out and have taken them seriously in my writing and teaching. As an academic, I have been given time to study, teach, and write on my religious beliefs, but many do not have or take the time. Nevertheless, when we consider the highly contentious nature of public disagreements about religion and morality, which seldom rise to the level of debates or dialogues, we should consider their rational support for any given position, religious or otherwise, and realize that some Christians have reasons for their deepest beliefs that can be publicly and profitably discussed. Christmas can be a prod to think all this over. After a lifetime of research, I, for one, continue to worship Jesus, as did the wise men of the first Christmas so long ago. This has been Doug Rothheis with Truth Tribe. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about how I might serve you, please go to douglasgrotheis.com. Truth Tribe is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. God invites us to cultivate thankful hearts by turning our eyes toward Him in good times and bad. 
To listen to more Abide Christian Meditations, just go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Christian Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.